0: What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports, College Football and NFL Draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller, joined on Wednesday by my buddy Connor Rogers, dude. We have a loaded, very, very good show today. I'm excited for the listeners. This is one like I'm. I'm going to listen back to this in the car tomorrow.
1: Yeah, as always, we have so much going on in the NFL draft world this time of year, late February, getting close to the combine. Obviously, some disappointing news about Marquise Brown. He will. Go to the combine and he'll get to interview. He'll get to go through medical checks, but he will not get to participate in any testing. And I believe Matt that should extend throughout the pro day and maybe even OTAs. correct. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. No pro day, uh, no private
0: workouts, no combine for him. So it is going to be, it's going to be wild because he's a player. A lot of folks had tabbed just a top 15 picks. So Marquise Brown, we're going to talk about, Uh, we've got draft on draft questions. We're going to fix the Denver Broncos. It's going to be a great show As always, if you listen three times a week, and you should because you get a ton of news and information every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, you've heard me say this a lot. But we are about 11 days away from our NFL Combine meetup at 2D Brewing Company, March 2nd, Saturday night at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. It's scheduled to go until 7. We'll see how long we're actually there. And I was telling Connor and Mello. There's potentially some good news. We might have some surprise guests show up. So if you are one of the 150 people that have already RSVP'd, thank you. If you're not, hop on Twitter, go to my pin tweet or the stick to football pin tweet, and you'll see the the details there where you can sign up. It's free to come in. You just have to be 21 years old. If you're under 21 and still want to hang out in Indianapolis, shoot us a DM. We're trying to put something together for the kiddos.
1: Yeah, that's right. With party hats and maybe even Chucky e. cheese pizza, right? I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to bring my son and you guys can play with him. Oh so, man. And, and yeah. I mean, in my neck of the woods right now with the New York giants, there's a ton of drama going on. Obviously Landon Collins, his long-term future is one of their bigger, you'd hope bigger priorities of the off season, whether that's going to be an extension. It doesn't look at really that likely. Maybe it's a franchise tag. If you let a guy like this hit the market, that'd be a shock, but we've seen crazier things happen. New England, possibly wanting Odell Beckham a year ago, or maybe still now that's terrifying. And Antonio Brown, no longer going by A.B., but he is now Mr. Big Chest. I'm just sad that we didn't get this nickname for you before I'm you, you signed ca- up. I'm kind of furious. When I saw this I mean, news come out, I looked if I could trademark it in time. But uh, no luck here. So Mr. B- A.B. might not get to decide his future of where he lands with the Steelers. But Mr. Big Chess might just be a free agent right now.
0: <laughs> Mr. Big Chess might force his way out. We can start calling you Mr. Big Arms. Mr. Gun Show. I'll,
1: I'll rock with that. Like just that. As long as I don't uh, completely go off the rails like Antonio Brown is right now. But we're going to go deep into all of that stuff today, obviously. But we talked about Marquise Brown off the top. This is... Matt, do you think this even impacts his draft stock? Or is it a situation where you go, well, we knew he was fast, so we don't need to see him run fast. But is the biggest question now, can he stay healthy at the weight he plays at? So that's the key.
0: Um, there's this saying in scouting to not count something twice. And I, so with Marquise Brown, like, okay, yeah, he's really fast. You can see it on film. I didn't need to see him run in Indy to know that he's fast. It would have been cool to put a number on it just for a comparison's sake. But uh, the issue for me... To answer your question, I think it does hurt his draft stock. I don't believe that he should be a top 15 pick anymore. He's 170 pounds is what what they've bulked him up to to play. Yeah, he came there Uh, at 150. (laughs) He was 130 coming out of high school, dude. He's tiny. So the fact that they have bulked him up to 170, to me that says that his frame is probably maxed out. And and he's probably going to be 5'10", 170. If you're a fan of his, you're going to say, well... You know, Deshaun Jackson isn't very big. He's been good in the NFL for a long time. It, it could work out. But I now have concerns about injuries, and I know that there are going to be people upset with me for saying this, and, and there are going to be other draft analysts who spin this more positively. If you like Marquise Brown, that's probably what you do. I try to be unbiased here and tell you that I worry about a small guy with durability issues. And on the other side of that, I worry about big guys with durability issues. I've said the same thing about DK Metcalf. Whether you're on one end of the spectrum or the other, if you have injury issues, I think it gets a little bit harder to come back from. And so for Marquise Brown, where I already had size and durability concerns, how well are you going to be able to hold up long-term in the NFL at 170 pounds and five feet, 10 that that's an issue for me. And now with this injury, I think it's a bigger one to clear up any confusion. Cause I saw this yesterday uh, when the news broke on Monday, excuse me, he didn't just have the surgery. It just got leaked that he had the surgery. So He's he, probably going to be ready for training camp. That's what his agents are telling everyone. He'll be ready to go by then. But he had the surgery a month ago when the injury happened. He's an exciting player. Uh, I liked him a lot. I had him as my number one receiver in the class, and we had talked about him as kind of a scheme-specific type player. But I do think that this could open the door for someone like A.J. Brown to swoop in there and become that top receiver taken.
1: Yeah, and recent history has to scare teams a little bit. I mean, each prospect is unique, but you look at guys like Will Fuller, who's been very productive when on the field, and John Ross, who really hasn't done much of anything. Those were significant investments from teams in terms of draft picks, and the fact is it's hard for them to stay on the field. And now you have to wonder that with Marquise Brown. Because like you said, Matt, you were a big fan of his for a very long time. And I know you still are. This doesn't mean he's not, not a—you you know, he's a bad player or he's not going to be as productive. Just a matter of you have to decide at what point is a guy too big a risk to take in the top 15. And another guy that is going to be probably an interesting risk on the off-season market, and I say off-season market because it could be a trade and it could be free agency. We're not sure yet. Jadavion Clowney, what is the latest going on, Matt, with his value, his deal, and his long-term future with the Texans?
0: Yeah, our buddy Peter King, uh, who's at NBC Sports Now, came out and said that he's not sold on Clowney getting a long-term deal. And this meshes well with something that I had heard probably a month ago, um, where it was that maybe this could be a sign-and-trade type deal. And that's something we've talked about on the show before. They are, right now, they do have a ton of salary cap space, but long-term, they're going to keep Deshaun Watson. JJ Watt showed last year he can stay healthy and get back to being an All-Pro type player. So you have to make some decisions. You got DeAndre Hopkins as well. You've got some guy, other guys on defense: Whitney Merciless, Bernardrick McKinney, Zach Cunningham. They have good players all over this roster. Bring back Honey yeah, right. You can't pay that many superstars. It reminds me of when we saw Seattle get to that point, and they obviously had more success than Houston has. But you get to a point where you can't build a team with six superstars you have to pick guys to pay so I can see Clowney instead of letting him walk in free agency and sign with someone and then you get a third round compensatory pick back if you know that he's not in your long-term plan this is the way to do it you you tag him with the franchise or transition tag and then you trade him and that window open Tuesday uh, February 19th the franchise tag window opens so I think we'll see some activity earlier than normal Clowney, is uh, he's still considered one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He has stayed you know, relatively healthy the past two years after kind of a slow start to his career. But uh, he's a you know a dynamic guy. He's what nine sacks this past year. I think nine and a half yeah. year before that. Just he's turned, turned twenty six, still young. So he is the type of player you would take a chance on. The question that I would have is, what team is going to be willing to trade to get him? Because both of our teams, I'm a Niners fan. You're a Jets fan. Neither team should trade for Jadavian Clowney, not with pick two and three.
1: I'm not giving up an early round one pick for this guy. That's the only issue that I have with it. You have to pay him, too, which completely, you know, decimates the value of, of sending a top 10 pick. I actually think this would be a really good move for the Texans. And I know fans of the Texans or in just in general, you never want to hear that you're potentially trading a star player. And, and it might not happen. They might be able to find a way to make it work on both sides. But. I think if you're Houston, who has a very, very good young quarterback, you have arguably the best or a top three wide receiver in football. You do have pieces on defense. Maybe what you can get in return for Clowney on top of saving some long term cap can fill a lot of holes and make this a really really competitive team that can be deep in a playoff hunt especially for me it all starts at the quarterback I mean when you have a guy like that that can single-handedly win you football games we've seen Watson do it I don't want to say himself because of how good Hopkins is and like I said Will Fuller has been good when on the field, It's just few and far between it's just a matter of you can get this guy an offensive line I think the ceiling is limitless so Clowney a really really tough decision there and I and can't wait to Connor, see how it plays out I think too man Look at what
0: they've, they haven't had a lot of picks because of the clowny or the trade to get Watson. Yeah. You know, last year they didn't pick until the third round and they got a really good player in Justin Reed, but they need to make over that offensive line in a hurry. And yes, they do need more production from Will Fuller and Kevin Johnson and some of their previous first round picks other than Deshaun Watson. I think that's what makes this even more intriguing as a trade is you can, you know, if you can flip him for a, a pick in the 20s, you know, wh- wh- maybe. Um, let's just be crazy. Let's say the Raiders would trade a pick. We I said that on an earlier show. Maybe the Chiefs would trade 29 for J.J. McClownie, straight up. Uh, not straight up with, with a couple extra picks in there uh in future drafts. Like the Texans can get uh, you know, a, a Cody Ford or an Andre Dillard. Yeah, it's all John Taylor. Yeah. Right. They can get good players who could come in and help remake this line because they they have talent across the board. So I would look at that as it might suck to lose a marquee player. But at the same time, it could be what's best for this team long term
1: without a doubt. And now the New York Giants are kind of faced with a similar situation, although I would argue pass rushers, especially young ones, could be viewed as more valuable pieces of safeties. But Landon Collins has played at a significantly high level before. I don't think he was on the you know, it didn't reach his peak last year. I thought he was better the two years previously. But Landon Collins is a really, really good player, Matt. Somebody that I believe we both had in the first round. It felt like that entire draft season, it was just like, you know, he's a first rounder. He's a good player. Now, the New York Giants are in an interesting situation here where it almost sounds like rumors are leaking out that they're not getting anywhere in extensions. Do you think this is one of those situations where they're just content putting the franchise tag on him because the safety value is it's like below twelve million. I believe it's around eleven point yeah. three million dollars for year. That's probably pretty good value on a one year deal. It really is pretty good value. And I I know that there were teams that called about Landon
0: Collins at the trade deadline and they were straight up told no. The the Giants were like, why would we trade a three time at the time a two time pro bowler who is he's twenty four years old. Yeah. And he's incredibly young. So I think that, you know, when those teams called, they it was just like it was almost like a laugh, you know, like, no, we're not trading him. So now it's will they be willing to pay him? And I I think it comes down to I would love to see football players be a little m- bit more like basketball players in the sense of like, if you don't want to be there, go. Like if, if you're a very good player, just you, you don't have to get locked in. There are ways around it. You know, We, Le'Veon Bell sitting out of here is not ideal for anyone, but there are ways to get free if you want to be free. So for I think for Landon Collins, that's step one. Do you want to be there? And if so, then you could work something out as probably the highest paid safety in football. Just because of when he's coming up free, and the fact that Earl uh, Earl Thomas is now a free agent, so uh, I I look at that and say, man, this this guy is a three time Pro Bowler, and he hasn't had the interception stats that a lot of people would look at and say, like, okay, well, he you know he only got two picks a year, he's not very good. I, I think it's a strong safety. He's he's undoubtedly one of the best that's still in the league, and the fact that. He's going to be 25 next year. They said, dude, you can sign to a four or five year deal and he can be a a huge building block for your defense.
1: Yeah. And I think safeties are guys that especially guys that don't need to do exactly what Earl Thomas does. They don't need to play single high and just have ridiculous range. They actually age pretty well in the NFL. We've seen some veteran safeties really not fall off a cliff at all in terms of their play. So if you're going to make an investment, I think this is one that would be really wise for the New York Giants. I think. They've done a pretty good job on the offensive side of the ball of building that skill core. They have Saquon Barkley now. They got the Odell Beckham deal done. Obviously Evan Ingram, a young tight end. We'll see what they do at quarterback. That's going to be really interesting. But now you got to get some really really talented long-term pieces extended on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and you know, I looking at what safeties are paid,
0: man, that the tag is not that much more than what you would pay a, a top safety. So I, I think that it's, it would make sense if they, if they want to keep him. You can definitely do that. You can, you can make it work to keep Landon Collins and play him under the tag for this year. You know, I mean, I, I think Reshaw Jones, like I think he has like 17 million on the books for this year. That's his cap hit anyway. So it's ridiculous. But you know, other guys like uh, Malcolm Jenkins is making 11, Harrison Smith's making 10, uh, Damaris Randall's making nine, Tony Jefferson's making 12. Like, to keep Lana Collins, it would be worth it maybe
1: to to try to make something like that happen long term. Uh, well, moving on. Also, oh, sorry, one more thing, Matt. If you're the Giants, this is the last thing I'll say get this done now because when that 2007, if you just keep playing the tag game, when that 2017 class starts to get extended, highlighted by Jamal Adams, you'll have Jamal yeah. Adams, Malik Hooker. I believe Buddha Baker's in that group. We'll see if Marcus May can come back healthy. There are, and I didn't even name like half of the other safeties. There are so many good safeties in that class. The Giants can actually save a lot long-term if they can get Landon Collins done around that 11 million mark per year, because that number is going to jump up really high in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, man. What a bad contract. Risha Jones is like, I'm stuck on that now. Like, yeah, You're
1: just staring at it. He's 31
0: this year and he's counting $17 million against the There Cowboys. was a time he was great. That oh, I agree. Is,
1: That is not the case anymore. So Man, good for him. Whoever his agent is. good yeah, job. it's an amazing deal. Uh, how about OBJ? And I know that you love
0: this story because it, it came out that the I think maybe pro football talk reported this, that the, the Giants stopped trying to trade Odell. It was Chris the Sims, Patriots who, just, Sims? who just left. Us. Oh, my God. That's great. Good job. Good job for Sims. Why did not he break news when he was with us? Damn
1: it. He leaves and he's like, hey, I forgot to tell you this.
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way. Oh, uh, good good for Sims. Uh, I love that fucker. Uh and that's a term of endearment. If people don't listen to Sims <laughs> the left they're going to be like, <laughs> "The Miller is just called Sims." Yeah, It's a term of endearment. Okay, so back to this. They the Giants stopped answering the phone and stopped trying to trade OBJ because the Patriots wouldn't leave them alone. Like that's amazing to me. And Sims would know. I mean, he worked for the Patriots. He's very well connected there. Uh, he's always been one of the guys that when it came to the Patriots and Giants, I would I would text him often, like, "Hey, I'm hearing this. What, uh, you know, just tell me yes or no, or point yeah, me in his direction." In. Very locked in. So if he says something about those two teams, I believe it, like with with no you know no cynical thoughts at all. So how amazing is it that not only that the Patriots tried to get OBJ, but that they they traded for Josh Gordon. He ends up getting suspended, and they still win a Super Bowl. Like they, oh, we can't get OBJ. We're screwed. Oh, we'll get Josh Gordon. Uh, Then Josh
1: Gordon can't play. Ah, fuck it. We'll win a Super Bowl anyway. I mean, isn't it also kind of insane that they were like, yeah, we'll trade Brandon Cooks, but then we're going to go get Odell Beckham. Right? Oh, we'll just upgrade. Like, everybody, this is something I find interesting, Matt. When I first started rolling with you at, like, the Senior Bowl and all that stuff, and we'd meet different scouts and execs, they'd always be like, well, you know, like, the league isn't Madden. Like, fans, look at the league as Madden with these trades, these moves. I would argue in the last couple years teams have gotten a lot more creative with money, with trades, with moves. Yeah. Look at the Rams. The Rams went out last year and played Madden. They're like, "Fuck it. We'll sign Sue. We don't care. We'll trade right. for Brandon Cooks. We'll trade for Marcus Peters." Don't keep to Aqib Tlaib. They don't yeah. like teams don't care anymore because they're just going for it, and when you're going for it, you get super creative. So I think that argument of this like and, and Guys will do it their own way. Like Chris Ballard, Colts fans. Chris Ballard will build a team almost entirely through the draft. Like he's not going to come out day one in free agency and spend $100 million on four superstars. That's not how Chris Ballard will function. He might go get a piece, but he's going to draft really well and build his core. But we are seeing guys like Les Snead and a bunch of other teams. and Even Bill Belichick has grown accustomed to it. He's way better at trades and developing than overall just drafting. So – I think it's a trend that I find this story fascinating because a player like Odell Beckham was even on the table to begin with. We heard it. I would. Lo- I yeah.
0: wish we took better notes about what we said when we are on the show because I remember saying it like he could be traded and I, it was even right after they signed him to that new deal. I mean, enough people were saying he could be traded. I, mean, I had people telling me like, you need to call your guys in San Francisco and find out what's going on because I think they're trying to trade for Odell Beckham. They'd be like no, and then you like call and text people, and you're like, oh shit, actually, uh, they, yeah, they might be. So it, it's crazy that uh, a lot of fans and I, I've been in this position too as a as a fan. You get a, attached, and you think, you try to think logically of, we just signed this guy. Why would we trade him? Or like right now with Antonio Brown, he, it's 19 million dollars in dead cap if you trade him. The salary cap is kind of a myth. Like there are ways around it. So I, I would just look at that. You know, anything is possible. Like, don't worry about the dead cap. There are ways to get around it. Hell, you could just, you know, trade Brock Osweiler for a second round pick to get rid of the cap space if you need to. And one thing that you said there that's really interesting to me, the Indianapolis Colts have the most salary cap space available right now. That's according to to SpotRack, which I, I use their stuff a lot. $107 million. So the Colts got room to play with if they wanted to go get crazy and get uh, old Mr. Big chest or or something like that. (laughs) Although man, I I like Antonio Brown. I've said, uh, you know, when I was doing NFL 1000 and and even more recently, I thought he was the best receiver in the NFL. And and I think some of that started to fade a little bit last year. I don't know
1: what he's doing. It's actually honestly kind of sad because it just seems like, is no one there? Like, to be a friend and be like, you know what, man, like you might want to lay low just for a couple of weeks and they'll find a place for you to go. And you can go back to being the best receiver in the NFL. Maybe we'll get you some more money. Cause that's always been something he's been con- He's, he's won an extension on this deal. Now I, I understand why teams won't do it because they're like, we just gave you that deal. I also understand why players will do it because guess what? The cap goes up every year and <laughs> there's room for your value to go up too. So I get it from both sides but this is not the way it's just not the way you're here's why Antonio Brown before any of all this nonsense started. If the Steelers said, Hey, we're going to trade you Antonio. We just think it's best for both sides to move on for the latter half of your career. Probably 20 plus teams in the NFL would call offering a first round pick. And a lot of those teams have good quarterbacks. Now what you've done is you've dwindled your own list. I can't see a, New York Jets trading for Antonio Brown with Sam Darnold there. They're trying to make sure this guy is good, not give him a headache. And maybe Antonio Brown would be exactly what he needs as a number one receiver. But all the other stuff that comes with it, I mean, him and Big Ben butted heads for years, for years, and Big Ben's not perfect. Let's be real with that. But the problem is, all he's done, besides made the value lower for the Steelers to get in return, is shorten the list of teams that want to bring him in and help him out.
0: Uh, You know how every week I have a conspiracy theory like a couple weeks ago, it was that the Cardinals guaranteed Kyler Murray. So that's why he uh, gave up baseball, just like drop the hat. My current conspiracy theory is that AB or excuse me, Mr. Big Chest is doing all this to get released with calls because they really can't release him and take that cap hit right now. I know I just said it's fake, but like, man, you really don't want to, but they could void his guarantees and then they could release or trade him very easily. And I would think that you're getting pretty close to voiding the guarantee situation. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an agent. But it's got to be
1: getting close. I mean, that's – it can get really interesting, really interesting. I mean, there is a point where, like, if he just doesn't show up for stuff that he has to show up to, and that's written in his contract, that he needs to show up to those things, whether it is – not the uh, voluntary OTAs, but like the mini camp. Mini Minicamp is often something in your contract that you're forced to show up to. Yeah, those guarantees can void and they can cut you free. I would be fascinated to see if the Steelers just did that. And also, what is his value on the open market? Because mind you, yes, this guy is a top three receiver in the NFL. But once again, are, Matt, have we reached a point where teams with young quarterbacks or developing quarterbacks or just quarterbacks that are like Aaron Rodgers? Pretty... Pretty tough guy to work with sometimes. Amazing player. Tough guy to work with. Are there teams that simply would be like, hey, we love this guy as a player. We just can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah.
0: Oh, God, yeah. I mean, we've heard things about that about Josh Rosen, and he's played one year. Where it's like, okay, this might not be worth developing this guy if all his teammates hate him. Yeah. I mean. So that's definitely a big part of it. It's, I can't wait to it's see how not this concludes. Madden. because, you know? It, oh. Yeah. Well, in one week, I'll be in Indianapolis, and that's when all this be stuff starts, right? <laughs> so, so that's when we start hearing all the rumors, and people can say that collusion doesn't happen. It happens, and uh, or not collusion, but tampering. Uh, tampering does happen, and it's going to start one week from today. So next week's show will be a good one because it'll just be tons of rumors and notes.
1: All right, we are back, and it is time to fix the Denver Broncos. We made a promise at the beginning of the show. We made a promise at the beginning of the offseason that we're going to get through as many teams as we can. And I think this is an interesting one, Matt, because I'm kind of pissed that we didn't do it earlier to do it our way. John Elway just said, fuck, stick to football. I'm going to start doing this my way. Let's just start with. The biggest talking. let's point. be honest, the elephant in the room, <laughs> John Elway might want to call us with some nice I, words and say, guys, um, help, please. I completely please agree. Help. So we could do this one of two ways. We could do this. Well, now they have Joe Flacco. Here's what we do. Or we could say, screw that. Here's what they should have done. or we could do both. Yeah, I think we could do both. I look at this um, more of a, OK,
0: you've already made one mistake. Let us try to help.
1: You <laughs> it's, I mean, seriously, you know, it's like this ah. doesn't help. This doesn't yeah. help at all. All right, let's here's just, my here's my take off the top. Change it up. <laughs> Broncos fans, we are here to help you, we're not here to make fun of you. Here's my take off the top. In the NFL, I've said this on this podcast 90 million times. I've rooted for a bad football team my entire life. I'm well aware. You in the NFL, the worst thing you could do is tread water. And right now, I feel like the Broncos are the number 1 team in the NFL at treading water because they want a Super Bowl and they said, "You know what? We could we could get back there." And that's fine. It didn't work out. Now, at some point, you got to decide to be really bad. You got to be really, really bad. But I think they are run by someone that doesn't feel he has the opportunity to be really, really bad because he thinks he'll get fired by it. And that's why we're stuck in this Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, maybe draft a quarterback at 10, Drew Locke. And it's just like, yeah, we'll be seven and nine, eight and eight. And I just think that's the frustrating part because this team has pieces, but if they do this the right way, they can truly turn this thing around in a two to three year window instead. And, and
0: that's the hard part is they are stuck. And you see someone that has become gun shy, like he's afraid to make moves. You know, last, last off season, they, they didn't go after Kirk Cousins. And that might've been a blessing in disguise, but you know, they've missed Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, Jesus Christ. Anyone with a scouting department knew that Paxton Lynch did not like playing football. So in and, and you invest a first round pick of him and I know, hey, Dallas wanted him too. I don't think that following Jerry Jones plan for building a football team is really the direction that you want to go is John always. So I look at this and say, OK, you've already fucked up. Let us fix this for you, man. Like like you've committed a crime. Let us cover it up for you because that's what needs to happen. I look at this team's needs. The good news is. They have 11 draft picks right now. That's great. So they have ammo. A lot of those are on day three, which unfortunately day three is when you need to know how to scout to, to hit on these picks. So step one, you got to figure out the quarterback position, man. And their love for Drew Locke has been well known. Maybe so well known that they decided he's not going to be there at 10. We're not going to get him. And we don't want to trade up to to two or three to get a quarterback. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Wait, just at ten, you could still draft a quarterback. I, I really do believe that. I I am curious to see if there's not a panic this year and teams don't trade up where the quarterbacks would go, because they're they're not going to go super early. I don't think we uh, we don't believe Tampa's going to draft one. We don't really think Oakland's going to draft one as of right now. So. If the Giants take one at six and the Jags take one at seven, you're right there at 10 to get a quarterback. And you probably might. You could probably get Drew Locke. I think that's the way it would go is probably Haskins, Kyler Murray, Drew Locke. So I I think that this is a team that maybe needs to be just a little patient right now to wait and see what 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 we start to hear as the process gets closer. But they have needs at center. Matt Paredes is a a free agent. Right tackle, nose tackle, inside linebacker. Brandon Marshall is a free agent. Center, uh, I have center on here twice because I'm an idiot, but they, they, or excuse me, cornerback is where, because Bradley Roby's a free agent and they need someone opposite Chris Harris Jr. So this is a team with a lot of needs right now. And in terms of salary cap space, I mean, they have, they do have some room to make things happen. But my biggest question, because you know how much I love to just get rid of people when I have to, what do you do with Von Miller? Because the Broncos are their 21st in cap space with 22 million, but Getting like trading Von Miller, who is one of the, if not the best pass rusher, outside pass rusher in football at 30 years old, you have a potential out with his contract next year. You could trade Von Miller right now and get one first-round pick, maybe a second or third-round pick as well. Uh, he would be worth a ton of ammo to go get
1: a quarterback and also get back to being more of a, a healthier cap situation. What's so difficult about this is, You look at this situation and you go, okay, Von Miller is going to turn 30 years old this offseason at the, you know, before the draft, at the end of March, he will turn 30 years old. Von Miller is still really good. Like really good. Is Bradley Chubb ready to be the guy? Von Miller just had 14 and a half sacks 10 the year before that 13. He's had double digit sacks every year since 2013. And the only reason he didn't that year is because he got hurt. He's a double digit sack guy every single year. For the last almost decade. So, Matt, to answer your question, if I can get back a first and a second because I just went on this long rant of they should do a real (laughs) rebuild, I'd do it. I would do it because I think you can really restock and reload and get some pieces for your future quarterback with that. But if I couldn't get what I wanted in return, what I felt is right for an elite player, I would just ride it out because he's a superstar. And there's nothing wrong with keeping your homegrown Super Bowl winning Super Bowl MVP level superstars. So he's one of the exceptions where I think I would stand pat and say, hey, we just got to unload him for picks. I think you got to get back what you feel is a premium return, a fair return. But you look at these other other guys and I mean, I think when it comes down to it, like they're going to have an interesting offseason of like who do they let? Well, like Shane Ray hasn't been what they wanted him to be. No, nor has Bradley Roby. No, and Shaq Barrett is a guy that has been a nice rotational player there. I think Shaq Barrett is smart enough to know he should probably get to market, and they're going to let Matt Paradis do the same thing. He's somebody that's going to make way more money on the open market, and that's okay. I'm not saying you can go replace Matt Paradis. I mean, he was hurt most of last year, so I'm sure they have some ideas how to do that. Ronald Leary is a really interesting cut for them if they move on from him. He's a good player, but he hasn't been healthy. So it's one of those things where the Broncos are in this weird spot where they do truly have the chance to blow it up. Do you go all the way and trade Von Miller? That's like the, like the, we're all in now to get back to, we said, we do this both ways. Since you went out and you took on Joe Flacco's salary. I don't think you do. I think getting Joe Flacco. Now they're trying to retool, which is something they've done in the past. This is, I think six wins last year, five, the year before that they're trying to do, Basically what Seattle has done, except Seattle has the quarterback, they're not trying to blow it up and rebuild. They just want to retool and find their way back into the postseason, which means here's the most important thing, Matt, to close this out, and it's going to take a while. they got to hit on these picks. you got to hit on these picks and not just get pieces but instant impact pieces. And it comes down to do you believe Joe Flacco can get to be – back to a top 12 quarterback again with the right pieces around him. (laughs) No. I mean, that's what makes this so hard. Now, I'll say Emmanuel Sanders might be the best receiver he'll be throwing to in years. And I do like Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. Last year, for how much we killed John Elway, getting Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton, Royce Freeman, you know, Deshaun Hamilton, like you said, They got, they hit on some pieces last year. Yeah. They they did did. show that maybe they're making, they're letting scouting guys in that building take over some of the decision making. And And I think
0: it's key that, like, they drafted Josie Jewell in the fourth, they they drafted uh, Isaac Yidam in the third. They might see those guys as, okay, we're going to let Brandon Marshall go. We're going to let Bradley Roby go. We drafted these guys in 18 to step up and now make plays. If that's the case, then they're in a lot better shape than we think they are right now. They also they drafted Sam Jones in the sixth to play center. Now I know sixth round pick. You you probably don't want to put a lot of stock in that, but they they believed in this guy to to draft him and keep him on the roster. So we could see a really really young Broncos team. My my take. I wouldn't trade Von Miller. I, this it, he's one of the few players in the NFL I probably would not trade for a reasonable return just because yeah. he is so good. He's but still so good. He hasn't how fallen the, off. Right. How the fuck are you going to compete in that division though? you have the chiefs who are only getting better. They look like they're going to become a juggernaut. The Chargers are still really really good. The Raiders, we'll see. They have four picks in the top 36. Like you have to do something. Like signing Joe Flacco is not going to make you a competitor
1: in the AFC West. it just goes back to the top of the show. Like my feeling is when you look around you, you go, "Hey, we're not going to compete with the Chiefs these next couple of years." And if we're wrong about that, I mean, so be it. There's my prediction. This team, it's just going to be too hard to compete with the Chiefs in the next couple of years. This was kind of your window where you could step back. Yeah. A- and, you know, and maybe they do. Maybe Joe Flacco, we're looking at this wrong. Maybe he's a bridge guy. Maybe they take Drew Locke. They develop Drew Locke. I think that's what it is. And that's perfect. Maybe we're being way too out in front saying they should have blown it up. Maybe Flacco isn't what we believe that move to be. Maybe it's just like, okay. Flacco's – and here's the good thing about Joe Flacco. For all the times we have shit on him, I mean, he's the perfect guy to be playing above a, a, cor- a rookie quarterback. No matter what you read yeah. last year about the Lamar Jackson stuff, that's bullshit. Tony Jefferson came out and said, I mean, Tony's been on this show. We love Tony. He's like Joe Flacco carries himself as a professional as well as anyone yeah. I've ever seen. So th- you got the right guy in there. So maybe to
0: Flacco's yeah. a great guy. Uh, I, I talked to him – Years, years ago, when like no one fucking knew who I was and he was like, just treating me like I was Peter King. You know, he was very, very great. I think that he is their bridge guy to use a, a Jets friendly analogy. I think this is their Ryan Fitzpatrick so that they can you, like the Jets a couple years ago. You look around and you say, OK, we're not going to beat New England like this being seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven. It doesn't matter. We're never going to beat New England like this. Let's tear it down. And start over. And I think that's what Oakland did. They were like, you know, what, we're not going to be able to beat the Chiefs and Chargers like this. Fuck it. Let's start over. I actually think Denver needs to do some of the same while keeping core guys like Von Miller. But I believe, and I am not the biggest True Locke fan. I'm not the biggest Kyler Murray fan. And I'm not the biggest Dwayne Haskins fan. They have to draft a quarterback this year. or I think Elway gets run out of his
1: job. Oh, without he knows that too. I mean, he's sitting there well aware of that. He's somebody that I think The question for John Elway has not become, do I need to take a quarterback at 10? It's become, do I have to move up from this pick to get a quarterback? That's what it is to me right now with John Elway. He has a huge decision to make. So like we always do when we fix these teams, uh, we close it out by making some of the picks. I don't think we're going to make pick 223 at the moment right now, but we can do pick number 10, pick number 41, 72. Number 10, Matt, do you think this is the right landing spot for Drew Locke? I do. I I don't rank him there. I have
0: him ranked at 33 overall, but quarterbacks always get pushed up. They always, uh, always do. And so when I look at this, I think, yeah, this is the best spot for him. I I like the idea of him learning behind Flacco. Uh, I I really like the the idea of putting him in a situation in Denver where you're going to have time to learn and grow. You're not going to be asked to come in and play right away. I, I think this is best for
1: him. Yeah, I think so, too. So pick number 41. We've talked this team needs interior defensive line. They need interior offensive line. Going to throw two names at center for you. Do you think either of them will be there? Elton Jenkins and Garrett Bradbury. So
0: I actually think both will be there, and that would be interesting to me. If they don't like Sam Jones, then I could see I prefer Jenkins just slightly over Bradbury, but I could see that being the move. You know, they have needs at, at right tackle. This could be a Dalton Reisner spot. It could be a Greg Little spot. Um and also depending on what they do see at linebacker with Josie Jewel, who I really liked Josie Jewel, but you know that could be a spot for Mac Wilson from Alabama. This is not a very deep linebacker class, so if they feel like they have a need at linebacker, they have to take one pretty early because once you get past. Once you really get past Mac Wilson, it's not.
1: Pretty. There's a big drop off. So yeah. you, especially if you need coverage guys, this is not a good year for that. Also, one more option at forty one. Do you think Dexter Lawrence, after the PED suspension, can fall to that spot? I do. I, I not a big Dexter Lawrence fan. He's going to test incredibly well. He's
0: also I just gigantic. feel like guys like that are so limited. So I would almost say like at pick seventy two, that might be where I start to look at you know filling in the the interior of that D line with someone like Zach Allen. Uh, Our guy who we really like for Boston College, who I I think played out of position at times. Terry Beckner Jr. from Missouri is going to be in that third, fourth fringe range. If you want a little more pass rush from from the interior, because you do have, you know, two very good guys on the edge. Uh, Isaiah Bugs from Alabama is probably there in that third, fourth range. And that's where they have a ton of picks. I mean, you look at they're at 107, 119, 138, 146. 169, 200, 215, and 223. So they own, you know, with, what, eight picks on day three, they're going to own that Saturday selection and be able to find depth. And and like we've said for the past couple of weeks, once you really start studying the meat of this class, you see that it's a pretty deep group where you can find
1: starting caliber players in round four. And we've seen them not shy away from doubling up at positions like last year when they took Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, those were situations where those guys might've been the best players on the board at the time. So they're not afraid to do that. They took two wide receivers a year before that. So they're not afraid to admit, you know, Hey, maybe we made a mistake here. Maybe we, you know, keep loading up at this position until we get it Right. And I think you made a really good point. Corner has become an interesting position for this team. Chris Harris Jr. has been there what seems like forever, and he's been really, really good and awesome forever. But probably need another piece there. Maybe they fall into that Julian Love kind of range. Maybe a guy like Juwan Williams if they want a taller corner. So there are options. You, You nailed it. In the middle of this class, there are starting caliber pieces across the board, and it's a good year to be loaded up on picks on day two and three. Yeah, it absolutely is. And hey, if John Elway needs help, he knows where to find us. Hey guys, it's Connor here. Matt stepped out for a beer, but I got one of the top corners in this year's draft and Jawan Williams sitting down with me for an interview, so I hope you enjoy it. All right, now I'm very excited to have one of the top cornerbacks in this year's draft out of Vanderbilt, Jawan Williams. Jawan, thank you, man. How you doing tonight?
2: Oh man, thank you for having
1: me. Uh, No problem, no problem. So uh, one of the first things I wanted to ask you was that I was interested in Whenever we see top prospects, you obviously get a lot of SEC guys, a lot of guys from top programs. I know you're from the area, but what ultimately brought you to Vanderbilt?
2: I mean, at the end of the day, I felt like it would be the, uh, the best of both worlds for me. I mean, academically and athletically, um, I'm right in the SEC, and um, it's a top school. It's the top academic school in the nation. So, I mean, I always knew that. Always knew that no matter what, um, no matter what happens, if I do my job on the field, I always get found. So um, you know, that, that was probably the biggest thing for me. I, mean, I had to make a had to make a big a big boy decision right there, you know. Um, I wanted the degree, you know, and you know, and I want, you know, to make uh to pursue my dream of being in the NFL and I felt like a bandy I can just get both.
1: Yeah, it was funny, before we even got the interview going, that was one of the things I was most excited to ask you about or, or curious was that is a tough decision because for a lot of guys, it's you know three years and they're just going to leave because it's it's all football. But with you, uh, you've been on SEC honor roll for all three years at Vanderbilt. Now, how much more difficult did it make that decision of leaving early?
2: I mean, it it, it, it was difficult. You know, it was a it was a decision. Um, but you know, the decision to leave early, you know, I I had to sit down with my mom. You know, I sat down with I sat down with my coaches. You know, uh, we looked at my production, and we felt like it was the right decision to make. Um, right now, right now, I'm still t- finishing up two classes um, this semester, and then I'll come back for uh, the spring of 2020 to finish up, and I'll be finished in May of 2020, um, which which actually leaves me right on track with my um, which actually leaves me right on track with my uh, with my class because um i came in a semester early and i took summer school so i was a year ahead anyway so now there's only this only uh sets me right back on track
1: oh that's incredible and that's uh you know obviously great to hear and i know you have obviously you're gonna have a pretty long football career ahead of you but what are you interested in post football or at least what have you been studying at vanderbilt that you hope to do post football
2: um post football uh i want to become a coach okay um right now um a major sociology, so I mean, one of the biggest things about sociology is the study of human interaction and in, in their environments. Um, but you know, one thing I want—I want to stay in football. Football has been my passion for. Uh, football has been my love for since I was five years old, and um, that's that has played a a play, it's played a major role on me. And uh, without this sport, um, I wouldn't be here today. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the same opportunities that I have now. And um I wanna be there for I wanna be there for those kids, you know, that grew up in the city like me and um that that use football as an outlet and you know, use football to open up doors for them. You know, I just want to guide them too. And you know, without the coaches in my life, I mean I would I would have I would have never been this person today. So um that's something I always wanted to do, uh, ever since like I made that decision kinda in high school.
1: And something that was a little different about you than a lot of these top prospects is that when you got to Vanderbilt, you really started playing right away. There was no no developing, no any pause between that. What what do you think it was how crazy was it just be really thrown into the fire like that? You got I mean it's awesome you got 3 years of playing experience, but what was it like as a freshman going up against some of those wide receivers in the SEC right away?
2: Oh man, no, it was it was it was definitely, you know, it was definitely a challenge, but it was something that it was something I signed up for. I mean, that's something that you want. I mean, out of coming out, um, playing in the SEC. I mean, you want that competition. It was, it was, it was fun. You know, my sophomore year playing Calvin really. You know, he, he's he's doing his thing in Atlanta right now. But I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely a battle. I Me and him were stripping back and forth. Um, it was fun going up against all these guys week in and week out. It's never, it's never something where it's never you never really have a game where it's like, oh, I can sit this one out or I can I can take a playoff. Like every every game, every person you face. Uh, it's gonna give you. It's gonna give you a challenge. So I mean, um, coming in freshman year, yeah, the nerves, are, nerves are super high and all stuff. But I mean, it's all competition at the end of the day, and it only makes you better.
1: Was there anyone specifically that stuck out to you? I know you said Calvin Ridley. Obviously, you got to see maybe even his brother over time over at Georgia, and then of course, uh, you know, everyone's been watching the old Miss matchup because you covered a lot of good guys that were in that receiving corps. So, was there anyone specifically? That was just extra difficult, or you knew while preparing for the week it was going to be really tough.
2: I mean, I would say you know, I was I would definitely say for uh, for me, um, Kalaja Lipscomb. You know, he he mm-hmm. was he was wide receiver out of Vanderbilt. You know, um, going up against him every day in practice. You know, one on ones, um, one on ones will be the first people out there. You know, we we making each other better. And um, he had an explosive he had an explosive year this year uh, stat wise. And um, he decided to stay in school, but he's going to do the same next year. Um, but I definitely i am definitely going to miss that competition I had every day in practice, um, whether it was one-on-one, seven-on-sevens. Um, we always tried to get the we always tried to, team reps. We always tried to get the best out of each other. So i definitely say Kalaji loves him. He made me a lot better this
1: season. Yeah, and you have rare size for a corner. Did they ever try to flip you over to the other side of the ball, whether it was at high school or whether it was in Vanderbilt?
2: No, and I mean, well, in high school, uh, I played safety for like the last three games okay. of the season because our our safety broke his leg. But I, I always play corner. And uh, coach, when I came in, when I came in this program, Coach Mason believed that I can be a great corner at this program. And um, he 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 would tell me that I have you know because uh, he was Richard Sherman's uh, position coach also at Stanford. Um, he'd always tell me that, that I remind him, uh, I remind him of, uh, Richard. So, I mean, that was pretty, that was pretty funny. Like, that was pretty funny to hear, you know, my freshman year coming in. But I mean, I mean, as you can see, you know, coach Mason was, coach Mason believed in me that I can, that I can be a, a tall lockdown corner. And, um, you know, and that's, that's what happened. I mean, I just took the, I took the, 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 the teaching that he gave me, you know, uh, I built my own craft also, and uh, with the help of Coach TB, with the help of Coach Mattioli, um, and Coach Mason. I mean, I became the DV I am today.
1: And speaking of Sherman, is there anyone that you you try to mold your game after, or or was it really just him? Because you guys have you know that physical approach at the line of scrimmage and the same size.
2: Yes. So um, I always looked up to I always always looked up to Richard Sherman and Jay Ramsey. So I mean Richard uh I looked at Richard Sherman once he got to the league, you know, he started doing his thing. And um and uh, when he was doing that I was in high school and I was just like, Man, like we, we look alike and I feel like, you know, this is something I I can definitely move my game at, uh mo mold my game afterwards. And Jalen Ramsey, you know, uh he's he's from here in Nashville too. He went to Brentwood Academy and uh I went to Father Ryan when I was a freshman, he was a senior and those games were like just watching him play. Um, it was so, he was so impactful and he was so physical, but also like also could cover. He had the whole package and that was something I more my game after too from my freshman year on. Um, so I would definitely
1: say those two people. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the league is really transitioning, looking for the bigger corner, even in this class with you. Uh, Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky and Greedy Williams from LSU. I mean, you guys are some of the headliners of this corner class and the league is Looking for the bigger corner and, and you're gonna be around all of them soon, getting ready for the NFL combine. How's that day to day trainings been? What has your day to day been like since that started?
2: You know, it's like I mean, it's like a nine to five job, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't even look at it as a job, you know. It's I mean, it's something that I love to do. It's way, you know, I I I, I think of this as a blessing, you know. Um, but, you know, I'm in the facility basically. I come in early, I get there around get there around seven fifty. Um do my extra stretching stuff. Uh, Workouts start at nine. Uh, Workouts start at nine. We get done around 11. I have a little break in between, so I get extra PT work in, uh, eat lunch. Um, And then, you know, we got another workout at two. Um, From two to four, we're doing uh, another speed and lift session. And after that, I'm getting more PT time and um, just uh, uh, recovering my body and making sure my body is going to be right for the combine. So that's kind of what my day looks like, but I mean, yeah, it's a it's a it's a long day, but the time goes by quick, you know, and uh, the time definitely goes by quick. And um, doing something like doing this that I love, you know, it's not, I don't even, I don't even look at it like it's it's long at all. The days go by really fast.
1: Are you training with anyone else in this draft class?
2: I'm sure tra- Yeah, I'm training at Exos in Phoenix. Okay, uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of guys here from you know AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, um, Byron Murphy. Uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of good people
1: out here. Yeah, I've been down there in Pensacola, and it's like a, all the top guys that EXO seems to get. So I'm sure they'll get you right. Are you gonna Are you gonna participate in pretty much every drill down there at the combine? Yeah,
2: I'm going to be doing every drill at the
1: combine. Awesome. So last one before I let you go, just because uh, we love giving the people a teaser with all the guests we've had on all the draft prospects. Uh, what's your goal, or what are you thinking for this 40 yard dash? If you want to say anything.
2: Oh, for the 40. Look, I'm going I'm going to run as fast as possible You'll <laughs> That's, be it when you get
1: there. That is the smartest answer or the best answer. Juwan, thank you so much. Here at Bleacher Report, man, we're really rooting for you. We're really excited for you. Uh we can't wait to get to Indy and watch all this. So, I appreciate the time and best of luck with the process, man. Hey,
2: man. No no doubt, man. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, a big thank you to Jawan Williams from Vanderbilt. Uh, Gigantic corner in this class that just keeps on rising. So best of luck to him at the NFL Combine. And once again, thanks for him for giving stick to football some time. And now it is time for Draft on Draft. The moment, all the loyal stickies, the new stickies and the old stickies have been waiting for. And this one from an original, an OG sticky. Patrick Chamberlain, two questions for us. Three defensive prospects for whom there seems to be widely diverging opinions on are Ja'Kai Polite, Brian Burns, and Rashawn Gary. What explains why each of these guys are so polarizing? Oh, man. I think, well, to run it down, I think with Ja'Kai
0: Polite, he is a little smaller than you would like. And as we said on the Monday show, he there are some maturity and work ethic questions with him. Well, Brian Burns, the guy we've had on the show, He's skinny, and I think you wonder about his ability to convert speed to power. Can he bulk up and maintain weight and not lose some of his quickness? And then with Rashawn Gary, it's okay, where do we play him? And he is a, uh, I say it all the time, he's a trait-based prospect. You can't go look at the production on tape and say, oh, that's what you do. It's so much of you almost have to have an imagination and and look at his athleticism, which is top-notch, and, and be like, okay, we can turn that athleticism into quality play which there's a lot of risk with each of those three things so that's why you look at Nick Bosa and Josh Allen and they're viewed as safer players it's because they don't have as many question marks
1: yeah it's an absolutely great question I think it goes back to that really every kind of scout they have their own flavors of you know what they like what they look for and for me, I look at Ja'Kai Polite and he's a classic case of a pass rusher that I- I'll fall for every time because he can bend. He plays with power with the long arm. I think. That's
0: so true. D- like he- yeah. some guys just ca- like finding guys who can actually bend. You can is, do it or you hard. can't.
1: That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. So I look at Polite and I've seen him dip, rip. Like I said, the long arm seen him spin things that honestly work at the next level to just create pressure. I. I don't know if he'll ever be a consistent edge setter against the run, but I know on third down, third and long, you tell that guy to pin his ears back if he's going to put in the work. That's a great point by Matt, where is his off field going to check out? Because there are some guys that have been through there that are wondering about that. But when you see him on the field, just ask to go get after the quarterback, I mean, watch him against, I think it was Mississippi State and LSU. It's ridic- It's better than the other two on the field. But then you and Matt, like Matt said, Rashawn Gary is going to kill the testing process. I think he's a five tech. I don't think he's this, you know, I think he could play three tech. I think he could play five tech. I think they've used him, you know, a little weird at times. I think there's been some injuries there. And Burns is a player that I see him win most of the time from the outside. And when you're a skinnier player that isn't necessarily a power player, you just wonder if tackles will be able to catch on to that at the next level. But all yeah. are, they all have the things like about them,
0: right? Like that's, yeah, exactly. And man, like I like polite, I really do. And I know sometimes, like you know, we end up like giving each other like shit as like an inside joke kind of thing. And people are like, oh, like Connor doesn't like Rashawn Gary, Matt yeah. doesn't like Jacky Polite. No, no, no. Like they're 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 both really good players. And and like you said, if a, if a dude can bend, he can bend. I secretly want polite to go to the Chiefs. Like I like not their biggest need right now, but. Like his fit with he because, like I said, I think he's kind of like D Ford. If there was some way the D Ford was not going to stick around, polite is just a instant plug and play replacement for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, if he falls to the end of the first round, I think it's going to be one of those picks where you look back and you're like, oh, shit, like he's going to be a patriot. That was going to be like, God. Yep. Oh, it's always the players I like. No surprise. Trey Flowers. Yeah, Yeah. I know. So Uh, number two from Patrick Chamberlain. (laughs) If the Giants decide they want to target an edge rusher at six, and Bosa and Allen are both gone, as is expected, who should they target as a fit in their base 3-4 defense as the next best edge guy? Maybe that's why he asked number one first. Maybe. He's looking at these guys. Uh, so, ooh, at six,
0: yeah. I would not draft I would not draft Cleveland Farrell to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. Neither would I. And I would not draft Montez Sweat at six overall. No, I would take Polite because I'm a savage. At six? Yes. Man, I would trade back.
1: Well, all right. that's the easy. I yeah. say that all the time. You'd love I would to. Just,
0: I'm out of here. See, I'm trading back. <laughs> Fuck
1: you guys. Yeah.
0: I'm leaving. Oh, um, man. I would take oh. Devin White. Yeah, I, honestly, I would. I would take Devin yeah, White. That's what I would do. I would take Devin or, White. Man, yeah. If Jeffrey Simmons hadn't gotten hurt, he would be so good. as a, a 3-4-D end. Ah, man, it's Devin White. That's the best pick for the
1: Giants. Yeah, it has to be. They need an inside backer badly. I mean, you could argue Jonah Williams. And I'm sorry, Patrick. I know you asked edge rusher specifically. Yeah, but there's and- just not one.
0: And I'm so against drafting to fill your depth chart. Like, just don't do it. Don't well, it look never and be works. like, ah, shit, we need an edge rusher. And at six, there aren't any. Well, we'll just take the next one. Like, you cannot do that. Trust me, as a Niners fan, you cannot do that. Yeah. I've seen it too often.
1: All right, Eric Green, ninety nine. Hey guys, was wondering who your favorite later round running back and wide receivers are would be since the class seems pretty deep.
0: Oh man, uh, later round makes it tough. Uh, I, I actually just went through all my running back rankings, so um, if you give me uh, one second, I can tell you. I know that I really like Bruce Anderson um, at, again, very late as from North Dakota State. Like I liked him as a running back prospect, um, but you know not is like oh i'm going to take this guy in the fourth round instead it's more of like a i would take you in the sixth or seventh round and and feel like that you could have a pretty good starter uh, i like alex barnes from kansas state another dude that's probably a sixth rounder fifth rounder uh divine ozigbo from nebraska a player who had a really good shrine game but no combine yeah, invite yeah should have got one i i think he's in the fifth round range as well so i i like those three as guys who could be contributors. Um, One player that I'm excited to study and I haven't as much yet is uh, Alexander Madison from Boise State. I I will just be completely honest with you guys because I would never lie to you because we're friends. I have such a hard time with Boise State tape. It gives me a headache because I'm so colorblind that the blue on blue, like, I'll have, like, a migraine from it. So I have
1: to, like, watch away games. Remember the Cooper Cup tape? On the red field? Yeah. Oh, I sure my do. <laughs> goodness God. I remember that's when I, back when I used to like run the production for the draft, um, I've got the melt of Cooper Cup. And this is like super early. So I'd watch like Cooper Cup play like on normal fields, but not his home field. And we get the melt and my eyes just start bleeding. I'm like, what is, th-? like, I, I mean, it's maybe it's uh, super ignorant of me at the time to not know that they played on the red turf. But holy shit, it's really cool, though. I'll say it that. is cool, but it's horrible like, on your eyes In person. It's really cool.
0: But yeah, my goodness is that. So there's my my hot take on Boise. It's as hard far to as see, see too. It is as far as receivers like I could go all day on this because that's my favorite by far my favorite position to scout. Uh, is Hunter Renfro too obvious
1: as <laughs> no, as I mean, it's fair. Day? If you like him yeah. as you as your later guy. I, yeah. I think the running backs are interesting to me because it's like I always have somebody in my top five that goes really late. Like, I I think I could see Miles Sanders falling, and I think he's awesome. I really like him.
0: Man, he's such a good receiver. I don't know how much I liked him as, like, a true runner.
1: It's amazing how many times Trace McSorley decided taking a sack was a better idea than just dumping the ball off to him. Like, countless times. But I I really like Miles Sanders. Um, I mean, and then, of course... Like Devin Singletary is going to go day two. Like he's not a late round guy anymore. Right. He used to right. be. Right. Exactly. You know, the receivers are interesting. I still like Penny Hart and what we saw out of him at the Senior Bowl. I, I think scary he's scary Terry. Yeah. Scary. Ta- yeah. Scary Terry McLaurin. He's probably around four or five kind of guy. Yeah. He'll help on special teams, maybe be your fourth wide receiver. So another right. good player there. I, I think there are options. Um, I mean, where is our Sega Whiteside going to go? He's probably not going to run that well at the combine. So I could see him fall into the fourth round, but he's a good player. Really good player. Yeah.
0: I like Jazz Ferguson from Northwestern State. Like if you're looking for smaller school guys, um, I really like him. <clears throat> I like Keelan Doss from UC Davis. I like Alex Wesley from Northern Colorado. Uh Greg uh, Dorch from Greg Wake Dorch. Forest. So yep. little bitty dude who's blazing fast. So there it's a deep receiver class. And and I there's always, always a day three guy who... Just kind of comes out of nowhere and ends up being a really good player. The the one to watch is Preston Williams. Oh my! Well, he's from, he's a round one talent from Colorado State. He would be my number one receiver, but you know, he got in a little trouble in college. He's not uh, he was not invited to the combine. He's one of those players. Uh, he allegedly shoved his ex girlfriend while she was trying to leave his apartment. Uh, he wasn't his char- the charges were dropped. He was never convicted. He ended up doing like some community service over it. But you watch him play, and it's like kind of like Julio Jones. Like he's ridiculously talented, but it's just one of those things like it is. And if you're an area scout, are you willing to say, Hey, I I vouch for that guy. Like that's my guy. And it's the same for Jeffrey Simmons. It'll be the same for Dakota Allen. Um, I don't put Jalen Ferguson in with that group, but it's the same for all those guys. Like you have to be willing to put your name on that player. And I don't know how many people will be, but I know that the talent is, he would be the best receiver
1: in the class, hands down. Man, him and Julio and pads have the same exact build. Yeah. Like that long, like kind of lanky, but muscular. But like muscular, yeah. It's crazy how similar they look in pads. See, he's a great talent. You know what's funny about him is, just to show you how the draft works when you have bad off-field, his skill set is just as good as DK Metcalf's. Oh, yeah. Just as good. But— His off field is a serious issue for teams. Right, like he will not be on a a decent amount of boards, unfortunately. Yeah, I actually have asked
0: around about him, and that's what I heard back is like I've either heard, yeah, we haven't watched him because of the off field, or I've heard like, oh, can't take him, you know? Yeah, which, like, that's one of those things. Like when you have my job, people are going to look and be like, why did you have Preston Williams ranked 100 overall? He, if he ends up great, and you have to be like, well, here's why. Um, so it's, it sucks. It, you know, it's it, especially for a guy who I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but he wasn't charged with anything. So it, it, it makes it a really difficult situation. Let's just move on from it. Jack Pollard as a Redskins fan. I feel like Washington's the best choice for hard knocks this year. Any thoughts? Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen are so dysfunctional. <laughs> and the show could highlight that. Can they draft? I would Kyler? love it. That's the thing. If they can draft Kyler Murray, then I love it. If they draft Daniel Jones, I'm like, okay, I'm going to fall asleep. No, thanks.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't. It, it, they need a quarterback there. For the thing
0: is, they good. don't really have any personalities that, like, they have good players, like, but I don't want to follow Brandon Scherf.
1: It, it would have to be the Josh Norman show. Oh, God. But, like, we've yeah. seen that already. Yeah, we have. Like, I don't, I don't need, like, I love Josh Norman, but they I don't. They just don't have a sellable personality. Um, Darius Geis' return would be fun to document. Yeah, But, like, the fact that, like, this is hard knocks. Like, last year we had Baker Mayfield. Right. Miles Garrett.
0: You know, before that, you had LA and like the move to LA, and you know, Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald. Like before that, you had JJ fucking Watt. Do we know like, who All or Nothing is going to be this year? I don't think we do, which I think it's a better series. Oh, All or Nothing is amazing. That there.
1: absolutely amazing. Um, wow, hard knocks. Yeah, because so, last year it was the
0: Cowboys, is that right? It was so good.
1: I, there was the rumors going around that the NFL was interested in having the Jets do it, but the Jets. Don't have to because they have right. a new coach. Yeah. Um, so I think it will be the Niners. It, I think so too. And I know Kyle Shanahan is not going to be happy about that.
0: Well, Kyle Shanahan's not happy about anything. It, I was He's just going to say, if you know
1: anything about Kyle Shanahan, like any extra shit, he does not want to do. <laughs> so, but the Niners would be fun. Jimmy G, maybe Nick Bosa's there. Yeah. It would be Kyle fun. Shanahan's amazing football coach. George Kittle. I mean, Trent Taylor. The bros, like, yeah. that would be, there's would some be serious, serious positives to that Joe one.
0: Staley's a good one.
1: Yeah, they're fun. They're not, I, uh, it's not an elite hard knocks. It's good no. enough, though. It's good Yeah, enough. We're just football nerds, too. Like, we, we'll we take the Washington one if it's our only choice.
0: Oh, I'll watch it. Yeah, and I'll get into it. Like, I'll find
1: someone to root for. Man, just go where Kyler goes. Yeah. Like, it, did you see him posting baseball pictures on Instagram? Yes. Was he hacked? Doing? I don't know. I feel like he's constantly just constantly hacked. <laughs> <All> <laughs> when right. is he not hacked? <laughs> just like the previous question. It's a good time to move on. Yeah. Wyatt, for the Raiders, sign Quan and take a pass rusher at four or trade out, take Devin White and sign the pass rusher. Wyatt's a big Raiders fan, so he always sends, uh, uh, you know, good scenario questions. Here's I the, don't know, man. I don't know if Devin White will be there if you trade out a four. Like, right. teams love Devin White. And, and I
0: don't know him. what pass rusher you're going to be able to sign. Like, they're all going to get tagged. Yeah. So, do you think Trey uh, Flowers
1: hits? He's the only one that might. But, like, he's the Patriots not. Patriots just don't pay. He's not as good a pass rusher as, like, the clowny right.
0: Frank Here's Clark. thing. I, because I think this all the time. I would just sign a pass rusher. Why in God's name would you trade Khalil Mack if you're just going to turn around and pay a pass rusher? It doesn't I mean, make sense I'm to me. I'm not John Gruden,
1: so I can't. Yeah.
0: So I would say you sign Quan Alexander and hope, like, fuck, that Josh Allen is there at four. Yeah.
1: But then you got to get by. You really you have, to have to trade up. To, like, you got to kind of hope that things fall your way because we don't know what Arizona's doing. And if they take Bosa, I could see the Niners just taking Josh Allen. Just like, fuck it. Yeah. And then. We'll see what the – jet. I mean, God, this draft, putting together the first three pieces is like – Because they're the only good pieces. That's what makes it hard. Like, they're true. the only
0: elite pieces.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like playing musical chairs, but the draft starts out with, like, three chairs. And then, like, everyone else is just sitting there like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. okay, I guess I'll take this guy at four that I might have had at ten. This is why Devin White should go high. This is the argument. Because he's so good. Yeah. And it's like, well – I mean, I want a really good player, not, like, some fucking guy that I could have. I would sign Quan Alexander and draft someone. That's oh. not the way to do it. Kwan, I mean, Quan's awesome. Quan? Yeah. I would sign Quan anyway. I mean, you don't even have to, like, pick and choose. You could take Quan and draft Devin White. Oh, you have two awesome, super fast linebackers that can run, cover, blitz, and attack the run? God, what are we going to do? Like, that's what's awesome about that scenario. So, <laughs> all right. Sounds great. Um, coach steers nervous 49ers fan. All right. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I want to stay at two and take Bosa or Allen, unless a trade package was crazy. What would the value of a trade be? And how would a quarterback going first overall impact that?
0: Well, it depends on who's coming up, you know, like if it's the Raiders, then you look probably at last year's jets, Colts trade as a template, you know, at least as a starting point. Um, gosh, it's just it's the question of who comes up. You know, if it's the Broncos, well, you're going to want a lot more to go back to 10. And I wouldn't want to go back that far. So I I think it's just you have to have that conversation of, okay, where are we going? if it's the Jags, do you want to take a player as well as pick? So the package just depends so much on who it would be. I'm with you. I actually would prefer to stay at two unless you can somehow get to like five with Tampa. Because if, say, Bosa goes one, because that's what should happen. And then you trade to let a quarterback come at two. The Jets would probably take Josh Allen at three, maybe Quentin and Williams. And then, so you're, you end up kind of getting stuck. Like Rashawn Gary would probably go four. So if you're at five, you're still in the same spot. Like, do you want to draft Quentin Williams at five if he's there? Like, because I know a lot of Niners fans would say no. They want DeForest Buckner at three tech and <laughs> yeah. they'd rather play Ed Mitchell at nose and all of this. Like, I get it, but. They get Oliver.
1: Man, I wouldn't. Not oh, there. Man, I love Ed Oliver. I know, but like, I just, not for that team, I wouldn't. That's fair. You'd know that team better than anyone, too. I think the Niners are in such a unique space. Like, if the Niners get Bosa at two, it's over. Like, they win. You win the draft. Yeah. Everything went perfect for you. Everything. But but not everything goes perfect in the NFL. You gotta- I know,
0: man, a lot of folks in that I've talked to in San Francisco will say, we would rather make two trades and get Montez Sweat at like 12 than get stuck at six or get stuck at seven and be like, okay, we're on the board and there's no one good here. Mm. Or not no one good, but no one we value.
1: Yeah, no one you value. What if... What if Arizona really wants Kyler Murray and they just trade number one with the Niners? so The Niners can take Bosa number one. Oh, it could happen. There's a lot going on. in this
0: There's so much. I, this is a weirdest year because last year, like it was the quarterback dominoes, but we could put them in spots and it would make sense. Like even if, you know, all along we put Darnold at one. Well, it still made sense because at two, you put Saquon at three. You put a quarterback so on and so forth like it it made sense this year it doesn't because there are too many factors there you know you could say oh well what about this uh, okay what about that and it's uh, some of that's because it's the middle of february but it's just a hard year to to put those pieces together that makes a lot of sense to everyone you talk to
1: watch the cardinals take juan taylor first overall
0: <laughs> jesus christ
1: <laughs> i would be so happy that would be hilarious all right, hey, Jonah Williams that hey, fuck it. I mean, I'm not signing off on that, but it wouldn't <laughs> shock me. All right, Brandon Albert. Last question from today's draft on draft. What do you think of the Brandon Graham comparison for Ed Oliver? I I personally don't like it. Um, I
0: don't know. And I'm not trying to sh- shit on our guy, Brandon. If no, I think is. I like, think he's cool. just seen it around and was curious what our thoughts are on it. I, I compared him to. Uh, let me look. I compared him to Michael Bennett because I don't know where he's going to play. And he's he's probably going to be an undersized tackle or a big end in terms of weight, not in terms of height or length. So,
1: uh, man, I don't I don't see it with Brandon Graham. It's tough because. I think Oliver is going to even test better. Like, yeah. Brandon Graham ran a four, seven, two, which, by the way, like for a defensive lineman, like. Good for you. He was like, you know, he's around like six one, like two seventy ish. Which yeah. Oliver will probably be six feet and a half. I I think more two seventy five, two eighty. But I mean, he's gonna just absolutely demolish like the three cone. I My mean, original comp for him was Grady Jarrett, but he's and, so much more athletic. But he's
0: right, and even now, like, uh, you know, when Michael Bennett was coming out of AM. He was like two. He was well, he was six four. Number one. So
1: there's not a great comparison for Ed Oliver that I have found. And that's okay. You get rare players once in a while. Like, yeah. you can't make a Kyler Murray comparison because we've never seen someone like Kyler Murray play quarterback in the NFL. Like that combination yeah. of speed at that little size.
0: Yeah, because he's a lot faster than Russell
1: Wilson. Yeah, and he's a I lot have smaller. a
0: comparison for him that I'm like not telling people. I mean, I don't... you know what I have to do now, right? You have that.
1: You're gonna yeah. break into the dock and look. <laughs> no, I could do that actually. I didn't even didn't even think of that until you just said it. Hey, if you don't, if you want to save it for the draft 400. No, that's fine. Uh, my my Kyler Murray comparison, Michael Vick. Wow. Okay. I mean, there's
0: who else is that explosive with a good arm? With it's a great a arm, Jackson like a ro- like a rocket arm. Yeah.
1: I fuck it. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I get it. I think they have some of the same issues as well.
0: Right. I do too. So hey, can you play in the middle of the field? You know what's going to be funny is when Ed Oliver. Sorry, back to that. When he tests, just like Aaron Donald. You know, oh, it's like I'm, Aaron Donald ran a four six eight. He did thirty five reps. Like he he destroyed the combine.
1: Yeah, but he was two eighty five. I think that's where they'll be a little different. I think Donald actually plays lighter now. Like doesn't he play around like two eighty two seventy eight. Uh,
0: Yeah, holy shit. So I pulled up. uh, I googled Aaron Donald's combine because I wanted to see his workout. He was projected by NFL.com to be a fourth to fifth round pick.
1: Yeah, I believe it. I mean, I I don't think it was right, but everybody just said he was short. I got to go look, see where I had him now. I'm like talking shit about this. Whenever somebody says a prospect is short as their first concern, just stop listening. Like I don't care that Devin Bush is short. I don't care that Ed Oliver is short. I don't care that Kyler Murray is short. Because guess what? All three will be really fucking good in the NFL. It just goes on all the time. Yeah. Like, okay, I had him at 11 overall. Whew. Oh well, that's why you get paid, you know, to do this all the time. Yeah. So yeah. It's, oh, I was getting you were sweating like, over oh, there. Oh man, you beat NFL.com by five rounds. Congrats! Yeah. <laughs> oh my well, god. There you go. Oh man, was that? That was probably when Nolan Naraki was doing it. Games, was the yeah, rankings. He would just like eviscerate anyone that wasn't. He like, probably had a fake smile. <laughs> oh Jesus, let's not do moved that. him down. He killed, uh, Cam killed Gino Smith. I think he didn't like Ridgewater. He didn't like that Derek Carr had a family. Like yeah. that really bothered him that he had like a wife and kid. I mean, to each their yeah. own. The method of the madness yeah. of scouting. He was just like a rogue area style. scout, Dude, you know? Wild. I don't know where he yeah. went. That actually might be a summer project. Like we said, we're going to look for would people who disappeared. I, like is Nolan Rocky just like in a in like a garage, like with twelve monitors watching film? Right. I don't know. He doesn't do his book anymore. No, I used to get it every year because I I, it was fascinating to me. Whether you agree it was right or wrong, yeah, I would just want to see what he was saying. Oh man, yeah. What a weird show!
0: Our show went off the rails today. Absolutely I love it when that happens.
1: Absolutely bizarre. And, and thanks like, for say I think the people the people like the long shows though, I've noticed. Yeah. I mean, It was a good one. It was fun, one. and we have a lot yeah. to talk about, and we're just going to keep it rolling because we have three shows a week, 8 million meetups, 9 million draft coverage <laughs> plans. Uh, I can't wait for draft week. When we have our official plan, we'll be pumping that thing up on here nonstop. Yeah,
0: we will for sure. And and again, go check out the pinned tweets if you want to get to one of our meetups this March. One in Indy, one in Nashville, one in Kansas City at a Royals game. So that one's going to be pretty sweet. cool. Going to be great. So check those out, and Melo and I will be back Friday morning and I have no idea what we're going to talk about yet, but it's going to be fun, I'm sure, whatever we figure out.